All right, thank you so much. I was going to say you can be seated. You are on it already here. So, First service, one of them brought... There we go again. I was going to say I got my drum here. I am ready. Anyway, so here we go. Thank you. And I see that some of you didn't get the dress code memo. Um, some of you will underdress this morning. But you did wear your pants. I appreciate that. I love that. You know, I feel so at home here. <clears throat> I look around and I see the smiling faces as you watch the kids singing, and, and it's not just that they're cute little kids, but the international aspect and the accents, and gosh, they seem to love Jesus and the joy that's all there. And what you have is just like that tiny bit of a taste of what we get when we go to Uganda. We're going to talk about that quite a bit today in our service, but I, I, I feel so at home there. The kids, One of the kids before the service saw my shirt, ooh, that shirt is from Rwanda, and I said, almost, Uganda. We're just right next door to whatever. There's some Rwandan kids here and things, and I don't know, I just wanted to start by sharing just that, that I sit back and watch this and go, I, we've been there, but better in, in the real place. And, you know, our kids, are, we'll talk more about our orphans that we sponsor, our 64 kids, when we took them, they were smaller than that and barely speaking English, and, and, but yet dancing and singing with the joy of the Lord even then and, and the growth that's happened and stuff. So what a great chance to be able to bring some of Africa and international you know, um, music and loving the Lord here to us today. Um, we look forward to what God has for us for the rest of the morning. We're going to get to hear from them again at the end of the service. Well, go ahead and grab your outline. There's only a few fill in the blanks, and Lord willing, we'll get through our outline first service. We did <clears throat> not, uh, but most of the way through, I just, someone said I got, I got going on it anyway. So I, if passion isn't your thing, I apologize ahead of time. You're going to get some from up front today, okay? I just That's Jesus in me and what he's lit, and some of, some of you like that. But uh, today we go. So we're going to, if you fill in the blanks, we're going to give kind of a scriptural background, and then we're going to launch into what God has been and is doing with us. Today we're going to be talking about why we share boldly, why we do that has been our series, and why do we share boldly. And uh, again, we just want to kind of lay the framework there of understanding even the purpose for all this. And so first of all, in your outline, we're called to share boldly with our actions and our words. Actions and our words. Some of us like doing one or the other. We're really called to do both. And we have scripture to, that tells us that. So many verses, I just chose a couple for the actions. 1 John 2, 6 says, Whoever claims to live in him, in Jesus, must live as Jesus did. And so you, we make a claim to be a follower of Jesus or to be a Christian. Well, then you actually have to have that lifestyle to live as Jesus and to be moving in that direction. So we're called to that. But it's not just our actions and our lifestyle. It's our words. And 2 Corinthians 5.20 is one of many verses that would urge us there. This one says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so we really see here that right in front of us is this, yeah, we got to live like Jesus. we got to speak. we got to be able to verbalize to people and say, God wants that relationship with you. And so we're called to do both and have that happen. We're called to share Jesus with our actions and our words and, and, and to do it gently, but also boldly in finding that balance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, we emphasize that a ton here at home in our community, and well, we should, um, Living and speaking Jesus in our neighborhoods is absolutely essential. That's what we specialize in as a church. But as so we share boldly with our community, yes, but your second outline point says this, also with our world. We share boldly with our community, absolutely, but also with our world. And, and, and some of you might say, why share with the world when the need here at home is so extreme? And I've had people from Twin Cities say that. And, and I guess what I want to hit you with today is this. It's not an either or. 
We're not saying we're going to go there and not there. We specialize in here. The amount of time, energy, resources, and, and, and prayer and all that we do to be a part of our community and to bring Jesus and to share Jesus with that community is huge. But it doesn't stop here. It's not either or. It's a both and. And so there are two reasons really why we share um, why we share two primary reasons. First of all, God says so. <laughs> says so. God says so in the Bible. And so Mark 16, 15 says, and he, Jesus said, said to them, go into all the world, not just your backyard, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Pretty clear, isn't it? Acts 1, 8, Jesus is risen from the dead at this point. He's going to head up to heaven and do his thing from there. But he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem that's your community. And in all Judea and Samaria, now we're starting to flex out to a little bit outside of our comfort zone. And to the end of the earth, okay, you are outside your comfort zone. Different language, different culture, so far away you don't even know where it's going to be. And God says, I want you to do that. And it's pretty clear that God's call is to not just be here, be here, be present, but go beyond that. So there's a biblical mandate, I'll put it that way, but there's a second reason that we share around the world, and that is the Bible commands global ministry, but it's also a practical need, and I want to hit you with that. God always has reasons for what he does. Sometimes we understand them, sometimes not. Incredibly practical here because, first of all, we need to go. We need to do that, and we need them, the, the thems out there in the world. And that's primarily, I believe, to get our eyes off ourselves. And that's a totally American stumbling block I see. We live, to put, and our eyes end up on ourselves a lot. You know, what should I do? Uh, you know, what, what am I going to eat today for lunch? What am I going to this, 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 about me, me, me? And even if you're a relatively selfless person, it's very easy to put your eyes on yourself. And so going out really takes your eyes off yourself in, in very, very big, big ways because it's, it's about other people. So we need that to get our eyes off ourselves. But also we do it because the practical issue is they need us. A huge, there's a lot of people out there that need us on a number of levels in so many ways. So, <clears throat> excuse me, today we're going to be spending a lot of our time focusing on our partnership with Uganda. It's our primary global partnership that we have. You may have heard about it if you've been around a while. If you're new, great, you'll, you'll come up to speed quick. But I want to start by giving you a short story about how do they need us. And I really had to kind of go through because there's so many stories I could share. I loved hearing the story of the younger brother here, that that's his story. And I don't want to devalue that at all. What an awesome story. But I could tell you 60 of those or 64 of those because we have 64 orphans that we have taken since 2006 that have been near death so many multiple times. And, and God has kept them alive and flourishing because of him and because of our partnership there. And I want to share one story that I just, I've now been to Africa, to Uganda 11 times. A team just got back in January. We're going to share a little bit in a few minutes. And um, I heard a story that I, it, it took my 11th time to hear this. My family has been sponsoring Mary for a lot of years, Mary, uh, Mary B, <laughs> uh, over there as part of the children's home. And I didn't find out. I actually met a distant aunt of hers, distant in relationship, not in proximity. And she told me a story that I'd never heard. And I got to tell you, it was everything I could not to just fall on the floor and just sobbing to hear this. You see, Mary has been this sweet little girl who's no longer little and is now a... 20, 21-year-old gal trying to make her way in the world, but she loves the Lord Jesus, and she is, I, I, anyway, I could go on and on. Well, it turns out when she was very, very young, both of her parents died. I knew that she was an orphan, 
But here's what I found out is that she actually got taken into a home, uh, not because they wanted to care for her, because she got taken into slavery. There in Uganda with the Uganda family, there was a, this is not atypical, and I'm still learning about their culture. They'll take a young, young orphan, and because who's looking out for this orphan? There's desperate needs, def- desperate lifestyle going on entirely. They'll take this kid in not to care for them, but to slave for them. And she became a slave there in that household, barely, barely food, uh, just enough clothing to wear to kind of cover herself, barely enough food to keep her alive keep her strong enough so that she can do the household chores and whatever is it that they're trying to get her to do. So Mary's life is moving in one of two directions. She's going to die very early in a very quick way or, at the, or, or the best case scenario, they will marry her off hopefully for some money or some giving some things by 12 years old which will usually lead to, lead to an older man, catastrophic things, often death, certainly young children and on and on. This is, I'm like, this is my Mary. So Margaret, this aunt, and another woman from Pastor Robert's church had to work a a great situation, found out about that, and went in, deceived the mom of of this family, and rescued Mary out of that household, and whisked her away, and she was not yet safe, and they rapidly took her over to Pastor Robert's children home, which was just starting, and he was praying about and gathering together 30 girls and 30 boys. Lord Jesus, who do you want me to take in to be able to try to raise? And they got her over and said, Pastor Robert, you have to take her or she's going to die. Now, this is one of 60, 64 stories. And I'm hearing this for the first time, and I'm going, and, and it worked, and they were able to keep her away in this story. I'm like, why, why do I hear this 12 or 13 years later? This is my, our Mary here that has this. She'd be dead today. Oh, by the way, they get taken to the children's home, and, and he has no way to care for them. The neighbors that lived in the community laughed at him and said, you brought in these 60 children, so they will die. You are a foolish man. And, excuse my accent, but that's kind of what they would sound like if they... <clears throat> and, and that's where the Lord brought Twin Cities Church in. And since 2006, you, small groups, families, single people, families, couples, what, whatever, have been a part of keeping these kids not just alive, they're still alive today, which is amazing. I mean, 64 orphans in any country, in a third world country, how many of them are going to live 12, 13 years and not one of them die from something, right? So, so God has kept them alive. But, but I look at that and say, Twin Cities Church, yes, my family, but us, because of us in that person's life, a sponsorship, I'm daddy to her, very much daddy to her, and, and my family, that's mommy and brothers and sisters, though she's not mes- met most of them, God kept her alive and gave her hope and a future and education and health. She's met Jesus and she's become one who's led people to Jesus and on and on. Does Mary need us? Oh boy, does Mary need us along with so many others. And so we need them too. I want to follow this story with some details about this partnership. I want to share, we're going to spend some time sharing about what we did in January when we were just there, the team of 10 that went but to set the stage for that, I really want to let you see what has happened. God has called us into this relationship and, and how it's grown over the years. So um, we've been in a global partnership since 2006 with El Shaddai World Ministries and Pastor Robert, his wife, Mama Joy, and family, et cetera. And so here's a picture of Pastor Robert and Mama Joy. I think that's a year too old by now, but that still looks like them. He just turned 68 uh, right about when we were leaving. He had a birthday there, and um, <clears throat> which is really old for a Ugandan. That's not a typical lifespan, but God has blessed him, and, and he's doing great things. Well, there at El Shaddai World Ministries, we're growing to be all God made us to be as a church. Yes, there's individuals touched, but as a church, we are growing up as we we share our time and our love, our resources, prayer, and more. 
And so I asked the question, what have we done since 2006? And I actually printed out a sheet about six months ago. We had a meeting of just a lot of the tasks and projects. And it, my 8.5 by 11 paper, small font, turned into 8.5 by 14 because there wasn't room. And, and it's just amazing. If you want to pick up one of those, that's at our Uganda tables outside. There's his little feet tables. We'll talk about those a little later. And then our Uganda tables are over there with Mama's Heart Crafts and other things. But there, if you want to pick up a list, it's going to blow your mind. It still amazes me, everything that God's done through us. I want to highlight a few things, though, just to kind of get a feel for what's gone on. Not because we're great, but because God is great and we've been willing and, and, and willing. We've taken on those 64 children, as I mentioned, mostly orphans, raised them from starving, desperate little kids, younger than the kids that you saw up here. The youngest were four years old, three or four years old. Patrick was a little one, up to four, five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old, all these little kids, all of them younger than this, these precious little ones. We met him in 2006, and, and uh, it was pretty amazing. Um, picture of, the, of 2006 when we went there, uh, 30 boys in one room, triple, oops, first picture only, triple-decker bunks that are going on, so there's 30 boys in one room, and the next room, there's 30 girls. There's one house mom in each room, Penelope in one and Beatrice in the other. How'd you like to be a mom to 30 boys or 30 girls? Totally dependent upon you and everything. This is where the church is and the compound. We help build a school there in the process. So these are a bunch of little boys in our first time, and you get a, a, a feel for conditions. And we may look at that and go, "Who? you're crazy to live like that. It's way better than what they had. Let's look at the next picture. And we just had a chance to, uh, here's a bunch. I'm there and kids gathered around, gather around. I see Salua and I see Daphne. Anyway, I know all the kids. Um, and, uh, and they're gathered around. This is 2006. The next picture is 2016. Most of these same kids. Yeah. Each one of them with a story. Each one of them with, with a past and a present and a Lord willing, a future and a hope. Um, God has done some amazing things. Um, and again, I, I love the, the story that the, that the young man shared up here and then the, the story that these kids are living and, and going to have. But we've had a part in these kids' lives in some amazing ways. And God, again, it's huge. God has done amazing things in them. It's not just keeping them alive, although I don't want to underrate that, but, but it's been so many things. Well, since 2006, we've Twin Cities teams that have gone over, there are 14 of them. We've led hundreds and really over 1,000 people to Jesus. I counted up through personal and group evangelism. Us being willing to go has more than a 1,000 people from Uganda that we get to see and party with in heaven simply because we went and said, God, this is kind of scary, but I'm going to go share Jesus with someone from another, from another country, and many times with a different language. We've helped put in water systems, solar power systems, a medical clinic. We've built a school. Uh, we've purchased multiple pieces of land for farming, et cetera, put up fences and walls. Those are just some of the building projects we've done. It's pretty impressive over time. We've trained, this one's exciting to me, we've trained our 64 kids to be evangelists themselves. And they have led hundreds, if not thousands, to Jesus as a result. So they didn't just watch us do it. We said, you know what? You're getting older. It's time for you to learn. And there was training involved in how to share your life story with Jesus and, and how to understand the Bible and share the Bible and actually then let them and release them to start doing it. Now they are like, we're, now when we go, we stand back and let them do it. And we go, good for you. You know, I'm the Mzungu, the white face that shows up that the, that the Africans are drawn to because we're from America. But you get the one who really gets to share on a cultural, cultural level through that. Here's some pictures. Um, of our evangelism there. So here's Agnes, one of our sweet gals, and she's sharing Jesus in front of, you can't see the picture, but a group of kids, and she's just there sharing Jesus. Next picture here at one of the churches at the uh, Buwekula Church. That's the actual church building you're looking at. We'll talk church buildings in a minute. Inside, they're sharing Jesus, and we actually were able to take all 64 of our kids to this branch church site a few years ago. We couldn't fit our kids inside because we wanted to get the 150 little kids around that are in there, and so we have a team about five or 10, not of us, 
Mzungus were outside going, let's just pray. And I did was mention to the, uh, some of our orphan children that are sitting around because they, they aren't inside and they know that good things are happening. I said, well, let's just pray. And I'm thinking they either go, yeah, right, Pastor John. Or, or maybe they'll go, dear Jesus, you know, bless what they're doing. Instead, they get up and they circle this entire church, such as it is. And, they, and that's them. They're up against the church and they're all just praying. Lord Jesus, no, 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 no. And they just murmur. And I'm like, not so loud. You know, they're inside there. But no, what? Just let the Holy Spirit do his thing. I'm like, Wow. These people care. It wasn't me saying, get up and do this. It was their response to that. Next is at a different church there where I also did kind of a vacation Bible school where, where uh, Ambrose and Joanna and some others are leading this. This group of kids said yes to Jesus, and they're actually praying with them, and there's not a Mzungu in sight, meaning this was the early days when they were learning how to, when I say learning to do this and developing confidence in what they were doing to be able to do that. How cool to multiply ministry, to not go, well, I, they'll just have to wait till the next group from Twin Cities comes to lead more people to Jesus. It doesn't happen that way anymore. It's, so it's exciting as I'll get out and, and uh, there we go. So uh, we built, uh, a couple years ago, we built a baptismal there. Let's take a look at this one. And John James was in the first service here. So John helped, uh, we sent money for and built a baptismal. That was something that we both kind of brainstormed, Pastor Robert and I. I laughed first service. They put the tiles up during the day. It would rain at night. The tiles would all slide off. And they'd put the same tiles up the next day and they ran it with day after John says, we need to start doing something different. I said, good old American ingenuity. Yeah, let's figure this out. And so I think we left like on a Monday that year, but Sunday we had the first baptism they'd ever had. You see, before this people, very, very many of the Christians there, people who made a decision to follow Jesus wouldn't get baptized. And some of us, I know it's kind of, oh, I don't know, it feels weird or whatever. For them, they want to desperately, but the, the, all they can do is go to Lake Victoria. Or you can get eaten by a Nile crocodile. The Nile flows out of Lake Victoria. How's that sound? Poisonous snakes all over the place. By the way, virtually no one in Uganda swims. That's leisure time, and there really isn't any. So even going in the water is scary. The water's polluted, um, bugs. It costs to get into the lake, to actually get into where there's beach. I'd say beach or most places access. And then it costs to get to the lake. You've got to take some sort of transportation. So, so all those things, are you rushing to get baptized? That first day, about 185, go to the next picture, we baptized about 185. There's me getting to bury, uh, baptize one of the orphan children. I got to baptize like 15 of our kids, and most of them call me daddy or papa. I've been going there for so many years. How special was that? But you can see how the water isn't clean anymore. Baptize, 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 baptize. And there were three pastors, me and Pastor Robert and one of them, that just kind of kept it going. It was the most. Was I tired at the end? They kept sending all the extras to me because I'm the Mazungo visiting pastor and stuff. So I think I did over 100 people in that one day just to be able to. I finished and went, best day ever! <laughs> and other churches in the community can come and use this baptism because before then they're not able to do this. And so now it's just whatever it costs for the water to put in this tank. It's huge, by the way, as you can tell. And takes hours to fill up and stuff like that. Well, we've worked with over 100 widows and vulnerable women starting an organization at Pastors Robert Church called Mama's Heart, and uh, we've been able to provide medical care and ongoing medicines and nutrition for widows and single moms who are HIV positive, have tuberculosis, high blood pressure, diabetes, some women who are totally blind. We've been able to bless them. We've been able to keep them alive, which is also orphan prevention. Think about it. You've got a mom with two or three. No, let's be honest, more like seven or eight, sometimes as many as 13 kids. Dad's out of the picture for whatever reason. He's dead or whatever. Keep the widow alive, and we don't have orphans. Now, they're still struggling. We've been able to help them, but that's been a big deal. We've given them hope for a future. We've set them up to do internal microloans to start small businesses so that they can earn a living and keep their families alive and so much more. 
You can be involved in Mama's Heart, by the way. We sponsor the mamas if you want to be involved. We started building churches with Pastor Robert a few years ago. He's planted more than 50 churches there in Uganda and some neighboring uh, countries as well. He's the overseeing bishop of those churches and all the pastors. He's kind of their, their, their bishop, their overseer. And we've had the chance to help those churches become lighthouses to their community. Four churches up to this date, although we worked, to two more, worked on two more, but we have started churches and built churches, excuse me, of churches that had already begun. So this next picture shows you a church. This is at Iziru. So this would have been two years ago when we were building that. That wooden building, as you call it, is their church, okay? The church we're building is the bricks on the outside. So you they've got to leave their church up because it rains a lot there. And so you meet in this church while you're building the church around the outside until you get a roof on it. We're there building the church, one of four that we've now, six that we've worked on and a group of just local kids and a, and, and a guy there. And then the next picture shows you the outside. It's not a great picture, but there's the church a year later that's completed that we worked on a little bit of improvement. Wouldn't you say the community thinks so if the church if the church is real and big like that, you've got a big God if this could happen and you're also not going to leave because that other thing that could blow down the wind or the pastor's going to take off because they didn't cost anything anyway. Now there's time, there's money, there's energy. Ooh, there's, there's an American church that's partnered with you. Real deal stuff. People came to Jesus Christ the day we opened the church and invited the community and they said, I want to follow Jesus because he's a real God. And so things like that going on a lot. So we now have the opportunity to work on six of those. There's some background. Ten of us went to Uganda this last month, and the, the 14th full team we've sent, and it's been amazing. So in two weeks, we had a chance to build work on two different churches as well, not Bungulia, don't try to say it, and Namayemba, and uh, we have a couple pictures of us working there, so two different three or four day stints. Let's go to the next slide here, and here we, here's one of our famous brick lines, huge pile of bazillions of bricks up front. They've got to get all the way around the building because we add them as we go, so you're throwing or handing bricks, and you can see towards the back, there's Roxana and Tom, and so there's a whole lot of Africans. There's Gift in the front, Wanyama and Julius, etc. cetera. Uh, we're tossing bricks there and doing some of the work there. Uh, we'd also need to bring water to mix up mortar, make up the concrete and stuff, so the next picture shows us the local well although it isn't very local. It takes, I don't know, the wells might be, if you're lucky, they're a quarter mile away. If not, they're closer to a mile away. And you're going, you pump water out of the ground to fill up your things, and then you carry the water to go and pour it so you can then you go back. And you got, we, so we got a chance to do some of that too. That's just life there, by the way, and uh, opportunity and privilege to do that. So we got to work on two churches. There also we had a chance to... Um, to uh, do the dress a girl and dress a dude, we took over 600, 700 outfits, girls' clothing, boys' clothing, to give to a place that has very, very little clothing. They are so grateful for that. They lined up. We, we ran out of clothes every place we went, but you know, at least we helped some, right? And uh, then I had a chance to share Jesus. So you can see on the left side are some boys with pants, and then we gave them some vacation Bible school shirts from, from Twin Cities. <laughs> I see the, the teal shirts, and we go, hey, I work for that. And on the right side, a lot, it's mixed, but a lot of the girls with their new dresses on and stuff, and I had a chance just to share Jesus. And Ambrose, one of our orphan kids, is translating for me as we share Jesus. And uh, that's just about uh, half the amount of kids that were there in this frame. And, uh, and I don't know, I didn't count, 50, 60, 70 hands went up and we prayed to receive Jesus just that day right then and there at, at this church. And again, just, to, just because God's present and because and, uh, and he can, right? So we had the grand opening of the church we started building last year at Bufula. And there we had a chance to evangelize for two days, personal door-to-door, -door, eh, village, no, hut-to-hut. -hut. No, you just kind of wander the countryside and find people out front of their little 
huts and share Jesus with them. And they might be Muslim. They might have no faith. They might call themselves a Christian because they go to some church. But the reality is we had a chance to lead dozens and dozens and dozens to Jesus just personally with our kids, usually doing our translating because many of the people there don't speak English. Very, very exciting time to do that. And um, I shared first service that Tom, one of the new people that went with us, Tom, whose daughter had been, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, and he was like, I someday would like to go, but he's a pretty reserved guy, and uh, he was a little intimidated, but he went out and he came back the first year with big eyes, and he said, I led the first person to Jesus I've ever led. His eyes were just big. I'm like, that's so cool. You know, he says, anywhere, ever, but I got, and he got to do it multiple times. He said, and the first guy I led, his name was Tom, too. I thought, isn't that just like Jesus? You know, just give you that affirmation. You can do that back here in the States as well. Um, I think I have the before and after picture here. So this is the church last year at Buffalo when we started building. Hey, Rocky. And uh, so that's kind of the church. They kind of have a school in there too. And good luck while we build the church. I have to tell you of the four churches that we've completely built so far, this one was like the most amazing. Let's go to the next picture and you can see. Yeah, right, right. And of course the paint is fresh. Literally the two days beforehand, they're still putting mortar up and stucco and they're painting and stuff. But they got it done. And I tell you, overflow uh, that happened there. Just an amazing, amazing church. It's not the church building, it's the people. I want to share. I'm going fast, you gang, because because I can. (laughs) I want to share a story, and then I'm going to call Dana up. But there was a key woman there named Phoebe, and we met her last year. She's a big mama, and, and they're fine saying that. So you would say, what did you say? Yeah, she's hefty, big mama, Phoebe. And uh, she's like, "Mm, cool. And uh, no insult by that. And she was there, and she was like the lifeblood of this church. She donated the land for the church. She donated a bunch of money. Her sons were involved in the building, got to meet them and all that stuff. Phoebe was like there at the prayer time when we left last year. Lord, keep building. After we leave, we keep sending money. And she's just like the influential one. We go back this year, and she's just not there. And so two days out at two days of evangelism, there, there's Tom right there. <laughs> hey, Tom, my Tom story. Um, we, uh, we were driving away, and I don't get back on the bus. Pastor Robert puts me in a car. I'm with him and a couple of his kids, and we go over, you know, almost off a road, you know, to get to Phoebe's house. And we get there, and she's like almost crippled at this point. She comes out, and she's kind of, and she sits down, and her knees are just gone. Again, she's big. She's elderly, arthritis. She has x-rays of what's going on. One of Pastor Robert's kid is a physician's assistant looking at the x-rays and going, oh, man, you know, and we're there to pray for her. Now, i got to be honest. Like, you, people ask you to pray for them. You pray for them, right? Certainly, you go on a missions trip. You do it, like, boldly because you're supposed to, right? And I'm a pastor, so that means there's extra power. It does not. It just doesn't. I'm a follower of Jesus just like you are if you've asked him into your heart, right? Have the Holy Spirit inside of me. That's where the power is. So we just gathered around her, laid hands on her, and we started praying. And and Pastor John, you pray. Okay, and uh, this is Phoebe, and she's not even going to, she couldn't even come to the church. She's lived her life waiting for this church to be built. It's been her vision, and she can't even be there. So I just pray. I lay her hands on her, pray, and, you know, Lord, and heal, and I release the Holy Spirit. And then I just, out of my mouth comes, God, I pray that she's not only well enough to be there, but that she can be well enough that you'll hear her, that she'll be able to dance at the party on Sunday because I know it's going to be a big party. And, you know, lay on hands, we finish the prayer and we leave. Show up Sunday morning. I'm, the last thing I'm doing is thinking about Phoebe because there's a million things going on and there's food and, there's, and then I'm going to have to speak at this five-hour service. <laughs> Didn't know it was going to be five hours, but we guessed. And up front, sitting where the church leaders are, the pastors, it's all formal and stuff like that, is this woman in a pink dress that will knock your socks off, and it's Phoebe. And Phoebe is up dancing all day long, sitting next to me. Is she there? 
that up there in the, no, no, in the, in the last picture, she's in there. And, and so that's her in the middle of it. It kind of looks red in this picture. Is that her there? Yeah, so you're like, what? And Pastor Arvin says, oh, I forgot to tell you. She called several hours after we left there. She said, it is, God is doing such a great thing. I'm feeling so much better. I can, so thanks for telling me, you know. It's like, so, so it wasn't me. It was God who did something. And this woman is, who is this church? And she's there. And it's like, thank you, Jesus. And she's dancing and hollering. And, and it was awesome. Five-hour service, formal ribbon cutting. God multiplied the food, so it worked. The highlight is this next picture, and it's the offering of the day. And in past years, when the church opens, they give a little gift to Pastor Robert, and then, you know, I'm the Mzungu pastor from Twin Cities, and all. they give me a shirt or something like that, which is really gracious, you know. They, they care, they appreciate us and stuff. And this year, though, this was like music starts up, and I'm up front going, what's going on? All of a sudden, in the back, this music starts, and people start coming in, and they're not walking. They're kind of ding, 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 ding. And I'm doing this because you can see most of them are carrying like a basket on their head or a bunch of bananas on their head. And this takes like five or 10 minutes for them to come all the way up. And on the stage, they're praying on the stage. They are like, woohoo. And I, and I flashed back to, this is like the, the Old Testament bringing this huge offering beyond your tithes, your offerings into the temple. Because I love giving to the Lord so much. I'm smiling, I'm singing, I'm dancing, going, yes, God has blessed us and I can give back to him. And I'm sitting there in tears. I turn to Pastor Robert and he says, I am almost coming to tears myself, which he just doesn't do. He's kind of the stoic pastor in terms of that. And, and I'm just here. And there's bananas and baskets of papayas and mangoes and things of sugar cane. And there's one, no, two, no, three goats being led up that they gave. One to Pastor Robert, two to Twin Cities Church. I didn't know how we were going to fly those back. Tom, I was going to give him your plane seat and just they would take it there. We had three feasts the next night. Literally, we did, and that's where the goats went and stuff. But chickens and the whole thing, and they just, just the stage is full of, and they're like, yes, and they're not going, oh, yes, thank you, Mazungu pastor. Thank you, Pastor. They're going, yay, God. And I'm like, I don't give like that. And my heart was so full. I thought, with joy, these people have so little, and they've gathered up what they have, the best of what they have, and they're giving it to the Lord, and that's going to ministry and to yes to us and to Pastor Robert. And I'm like, for me, I give. It's time to give the tithe. They write the check. Oh, Lord, I hope I can make it through this month or do it online, however you do it, right? Rarely has it been with me dancing and carrying my papayas on my head and going, woohoo, you know? It's just not that way. Oh, the flavor in the life of the church. God is going to do amazing things. You can see the size of the church. There's 500 some odd, I don't know, four, five, 600 people at this thing. And it's a little village. Oh man, God's going to do some amazing things there. Dana, come on forward. We did so many other things as a part of this team. And I just asked Dana to come on forward. She was another first timer who'd never been to Uganda. And, and Dana will grab the mic, right mic this time. I think so. Um, I've asked Dana to share. And I knew we were just short on time, but here we are and we're doing fine. <clears throat> we're four minutes earlier than last service, okay? Um, love the kids, too. That was, that was cool. Um, you sponsored one of the girls, Margaret, for how many years now? Uh, I sponsored Margaret 13 years. Oh, so from the very beginning. So she you were little. one of the first. So, yeah, mm -hmm. so little, tiny little Margaret. And so, Margaret, every year we go and the kids say, ooh, did my mommy or my daddy come? And I, no, no, they couldn't, uh, you know, whatever. And so thir 12, 13 years later, mommy got to come. Tell us about that. <laughs> So 13 years ago, I chose Margaret to sponsor Margaret, and I didn't think of her as my daughter. She was my sponsor child, and she was always writing to me, when are you coming, when are you coming, and um, please, Mama, come. So I didn't get how much that meant until I was finally there and got to spend some time with her. Truly, if you are a sponsor of these kids, you are their mom and their dad. That is who you are, and that means a lot to them. They are so, so 
thankful and grateful, and they just want to be a part of that. Um, like Pastor uh, John was talking about with Mama's Heart, I had an opportunity to go see what we do. I thought I knew what Mama Heart was about. Mm -mm. We went for a walk with Rose, um, walking from family to family all over Bugembe. It was like a six-hour walk. So we went from family to family, and I met the women who are taking care of their nieces and nephews and women who've been abused, their kids, their grandkids, because their, her, their children have lost their jobs and are living down on the streets trying to find work, and so she's got the grandkids. The stories are heart-wrenching, and it was took everything I had to walk away from that family and walk to the next family without saying, we can't walk away. We haven't fixed this. This is not okay. But we continue to walk and continue to hear the stories. The little amount we get, and I say little because it's, it's a small amount for us, but it's huge for them. And the problem is so big that for us to support them, they, are, they will come to you. They offer their... Um, their hands. They actually will offer their hand to you to shake it. Um, and many times they will get on their knees just thanking you. It is humbling. Hmm. You're, you're like, no, get up. But that is their, their way of thanking us. And, and they always greet you with a praise God. They give God all the glory all the time. And um, it was just a great experience. So the realization of how big God's family is around this world and the part that we can play and the love that is shown is absolutely unexplainable. And I look at what our church has done where God has given us an opportunity to help these kids from when they were little up to now they're ministering and now we have Mama's Heart and now churches are being built it is exciting to see what else God has planned because I'm waiting for like the big explosion, like when you see the fireworks. He is building and building and building, and I was just really, really grateful for being able to go. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Dana. Mm -hmm. Let's say thank you to Dana for going, but also sharing. Okay, so I had to stop last. Anyway, so let's. Your last thing on your outline there, that last little heading, is what can you do as a part of this relationship? And that's both now and in the future. And the word is engage. The word is engage. Every single one of us can engage. And I say that because Twin Cities Church isn't a thing. It's us. It's you. Every single person is Twin Cities Church. So what are some suggestions for you here that I would say? First of all, pray. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Look what God did with, with Phoebe, right? So it didn't go, oh, just pray. Excuse me? I don't think she's saying just pray, right? God wants to do amazing things. Secondly, you can choose to sponsor an orphan. And I know we have Compassion International options, and if God pulls you towards that, that's awesome. They're a wonderful organization. We have a bunch of pictures up on a wall. There are a bunch of our orphans who are either unsponsored or undersponsored right now over the years that, that are relying on us to... It, 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 it's a long situation, but most of them it's for education, but that includes just staying alive through this process. So um, they're not as cute as they were when they were six years old, I'll be honest. You know, we put all those years ago, we put up Margaret's picture, six, seven, eight, nine year old picture, and you're like, oh, so cute. Now it's like, 
That's kind of a nice picture, thank you, Joy, for most of them. Nice photo of a, of a good-looking dude, you know. A good-looking dude who hopes he can somehow get money to go to school and hopes he can have some food this week and stay alive long enough so that he can get to school. And so we've, we've been a part of that for them. They're even more precious when, than when they were little. The needs are greater as higher education is there. So orphan sponsorship is there. Another way you can engage is to give to one of many funds. And again, the little feet, is that, that's awesome opportunity. But there's either one-time or ongoing um, issues that you can give to ongoing education, which is a huge need. Our kids, many kids right now are not in school because we just can't send them enough money to go to school. So they're sitting, trying to find a little job to keep them alive until enough money comes in. When one kid's done, then they can take their turn. And uh, you can give money to help towards the resource fund or things like computers. You can help with the church building expenses. You looked at those churches and say, I'd love to help with that. That'd be awesome. You can, you can care for the widows of mama's heart. Um, and actually sponsor a mama and be involved in that. We have envelopes out there to help guide you if you wanted to do some giving. Also, we have a bunch of Mama's Heart crafts out there in the lobby, so if you want to go out and buy something, those are mostly made by, well, they're all made by Ugandans, many by of our kids or our mamas, and so any dollar you give goes back into the resource fund there for them. So you can do all those things outside in the lobby. One more thing, consider going to Uganda with our next team like Dana did. I don't know when it'll be but it'll come up and God may tug at your heart and I'd say, don't say no. And I want to just put as a last little comment here and, and I'm going to have Marianne close our time. Perhaps most of all, rest assured that we aren't wasting our time there. And for some of you, go ahead and write that in. For some of you, are kind of like, well, that's almost an odd way to close. I, I just want to say that for some of us, we don't get it. And we, again, we look at our local needs and we think how much money and time and energy God wants us there, and I hope you have seen that through our time together today, but even if it hasn't quite clicked for you, I'm just absolutely convinced that God wants us there, and we are not wasting our money, our time, our resources. They're huge investments into this global partnership, and the investments have already yielded so much, and I asked Marianne to share in a minute. We'll see how she does. Um, her experience, and you've been how many times? Uh, I've been nine times to Africa. So I was on 2016, so these are my babies. <laughs> um, I was asked to share if I could, if I could be brief <laughs> about my heart for, my, for Uganda, which I call my Uganda. Um, we've done many things over there, projects, buildings, all that stuff. They've been great. But the amazing thing that God has done for me is shown me his love through the people in Uganda. Um, I love my husband and my kids here. But my heart connection in Uganda, I can't even explain to you. I just can't. Pastor Robert, Mama Joy, Jonathan, Josiah, Joshua, Joanna, Baby Joy. That's my family and my kids there. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. My kids there, that's my Uganda. I have Chris, Bakashi, Julius, and Divine. Those are just four. Um, People ask me how many kids I have, and I have six, and my heart is not different. I have one biological right here in the United States, one adopted right here in the United States, and four in Uganda. The love I have for them is no different. Um, I've, so I've seen the value of relationships, projects, tasks over there. I see it. I've been there. I've done it. I love it. But my Uganda is where my heart is. And there are kids still there that want that heart connect, they want you. I'm gonna be out there at that table where their pictures are and I can brag on any one yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. So if your heart is feeling tugged, come and find me and yeah. I will share.
Thank you, Marianne. Thank you. So, you know, the nice thing is there's pictures up there, and I love it that I'll be there, and Marianne enjoys some of the others. If, if you're at all interested, you can just ask, and most of us can tell you way more than you want to hear about every single kid, about who they are, where they've been, what they've been through, their situation, all that sort of stuff, and maybe God wants to lead you into that. Again, guys, compassion is awesome. His little feet, I'm not putting that down at all. What I've loved about this is this long-term connection that we've had with people that we've been able to invest specifically into their lives in very, very real ways and really kept them alive and, and, and helped them flourish. So um, engage and let's pray. God, thanks for today and for the chance to talk about sharing boldly, God. And this has not been a run out and help save our community, God. It's been a God, do you call us beyond that to the world? And the answer is yes, you do. So Father, I just thank you that you've given us that call, that for some of us that's scary, and for some of us that's exciting, and for some of us we aren't even aware that that has been a call. And so God, I just pray that you'd open our eyes and our hearts to what you want to do, and and that if we could have that attitude of, of saying, God, what do you want me to do? Because Lord, I don't want anyone here to want to follow what I'm directing them to do. God, I want you to direct them. It's you who will direct their paths, God. So may you do that, and may our hearts and our minds, our ears, our spirits be open to that, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us so much and that you love people around the world just as much. In Jesus' name, amen.